0: Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 182. Yeah, that many? I'm your host, Mark Hepster, speaking to you from Studio B here in uh, the downtown Toronto location. Toronto Mike, who is from New Toronto, uh, holed up in his studio there with the family. We're very excited about today's show, which features stories on the NFL draft. Yeah, there was. I mean, I guess you could call it live sports, but not really. Just like a big conference call, I guess. Um how about those cheating boston red Sox slapped on the wrist another blue jay passes away far too soon a live auto race with spectators will take place this weekend in south dakota and if you could change one rule in sport <clears throat> what would that rule be think about that that was you know some some of the stuff that's come on social media with no sports going on some really interesting questions and quite frankly mike i've been tired of the um that uh, if you could pick five albums to take with you on a desert island or right. you know that type of thing like I, we've been through enough of that. when they start showing pictures of 12 different chocolate bars and say <laughs> pick your three favorites, you know you're going off the deep end.
1: right. Choose your How quarantine you house. That's the big one. Uh, I'm good, you know uh, it's good to see you this is I think this is our first episode of Hebsey on sports since the pandemic where people can actually see you live I think it might be the first one
0: I believe you're right we've been uh I think we were one of the first to try this on multiple platforms like you wanted it to be just a podcast which is fine because it's the audio content you should be able to close your eyes listen and and get what you want the fact that you're seeing the two of us sitting here as literally as talking heads may add something to it but I just can't I can't imagine people watching the screen and watching you and I you know, with rapt attention, I, I just, cons- I think Well, maybe doing they're doing their or, more. Yeah. They're, they're doing dishes, it is, getting their coffee, looking at no. our faces.
1: Right. Their hands right
0: in front of the camera there.
1: Well yeah. Because I'm not used to this camera. So every oh. live stream I've done is there. So I forgot it was here. So I don't mean to have my finger. I am, uh, I am anxious to, to hear about what happened last night because on Twitter, every on my Twitter feed, it seemed like every on my Twitter feed was talking about, uh, the nfl draft and things going on but i wasn't actually i was actually watching this movie with my teenagers and uh yeah. i so i actually don't know what happened in the nfl draft but i thought to myself last night i thought hebsy's going to explain all this to me tomorrow morning so i just no i'm no. not going
0: to explain it all to you because under normal circumstances uh, would we be sitting watching the nfl draft
1: no oh i don't know some some oh, nfl heads would there,
0: Mike, what happened
1: you lost the audio
0: I can't hear you.
1: Can you hear me? Mike? Just
0: nod if you can. Oh, cause I can't hear you. I lost completely lost the audio.
1: Okay, stand by then. And uh,
0: I, I'm, I'm reading your, <laughs> I'm reading your lips, but I can't hear you.
1: Okay, uh, how about now? Oh, th- there you are. Yes. I learned something. I unplugged the the webcam I'm not using. I unplugged it, and that was <laughs> Wait, actually that. bringing the audio through this feed. So now I learned, don't do that. Okay. Sorry. I'm trying to get the Welcome other
0: Welcome to Podcasting 101, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm Mark Kepshire. That's Toronto Mike. We're trying to figure it out as it goes along. <laughs> kind of like professional sports or amateur sport, just or the world for that matter. So this show is a microcosm of the impediments that uh you may feel over the next while and you have been for the last 5 weeks. Oh, and there's Mike in his other camera.
1: And, now, the interesting thing is that period of time, that whatever it was, eight seconds or whatever, where you could not hear me, the, yeah. the podcast continued to get full audio. So it's very interesting how the podcast audio source is a little different than the video. So, you know, I'm multitasking here, Hebsey, uh, yeah. doing doing the, the Lord's work here.
0: I understand. And you're doing a hell of a job, by the way. <laughs> uh, so here's what's uh, today's show. So five weeks without sports. And now I think we've reached the point, Mike, where people are... Not as jonesing to get back to sports the first week, two weeks, three weeks. But now we've kind of settled into a routine where we found other things to do and we're enjoying it. You know, we have no other choice. So we've settled into a routine now where if we today went back to the way it was, it would be too overwhelming. I think we've got to gradually kind of get it's almost like someone said to you, "Okay, you're going away for a year. You're going to learn a few things. When you come back, you're going to be better off. Everyone will be better off. We haven't reached that point yet, but I I don't think people are getting up in the morning going, oh my God, no sports. What am I going to do with my life?
1: It's like if you were starving, I hate terrible analogy, but let's say you were starving to death. Okay. You can't just go eat like a large pizza, right? You can't, you got to eat a little bit, a little bit more, and then you can build yourself up to a healthy state. Is that a terrible analogy or what?
0: No, it's not. But I do think that we're, we're not as anxious um, as we were at first. We've, we've kind of gotten in this, all right, we understand the way it is. We have to flatten the curve. It's going to take a while. None of us is thinking, you know, we'll be watching the NHL in June or whatever. And this NFL draft is sort of a, yeah, well, the NFL is hoping that by September, when the schedule starts, everything will be back to normal, or at least in some way that they can play the games. Um, and it's going to take a while before the first shoe drops, the first game professional game, where there are either, there's some fans, a few fans, no fans at all, but the fact that it's going to be a league game and it's going to be televised and we can sit down and watch it, that will be the measuring stick for all other sports. So is going to be the first one? There's a NASCAR race that not NASCAR, an auto race this weekend in South Dakota, where they're allowing 700 fans to come into the speedway it's a dirt track and watch and the governor there is like whoa you can't do that so here's one jurisdiction that's like itching to get out there so okay we're going to let 700 of you watch a an auto race i don't know if there's going to be physical distancing maybe if they only allow 700 people and they all seat uh are six feet away from each other right that'll be all right
1: is that an outdoor that's an outdoor i don't know if i go to that right but that's outdoors right What's that have to do with anything? No, okay, because there's an interesting uh, an interesting study I was reading the other day. It was a great source. I can't remember. I would say if I could. It might be New York Times a great or source you Can't remember. It was this. something like the New York Times if it wasn't the New York Times. Anyway, <laughs> just know it wasn't like johnsblog.com or something like that. <laughs> but this is, okay, so basically it was talking about, I don't know, a pretty good sample size of cases and how 98.5% of these cases came from either be from indoors, like was caught indoors or in public transit. And they were talking, it really did seem like, like, for example, what if we moved all of our schooling to outdoors and, you know, people who go to, you know, churches and religious services, move them all outdoors. Like it really does seem like uh, possibly this thing is not spreading very easily outdoors. And then I think if it's an outdoor event and, and if you could be two meters away from everyone, and I don't know how you do that with, washrooms and concessions and getting well, people no, you, through the uh, gate people
0: just continue doing what they've been doing right i mean we're used to it anyway mike when i walk down the, the street and i see someone coming towards me i, in, I immediately make sure i'm going to be six feet away from them when i pass oh yeah them. why can't we continue that in society
1: well you can but if you're at a sporting event like how do you get through the gates and stuff like do you cue well, the same
0: thing i mean you only so many at a time
1: and what about washrooms you just try to hold it in for you don't Same <laughs> thing
0: same thing you just you know um, just be smart
1: what about concession you just don't sell concessions maybe maybe there's no concessions for the beginning no
0: the way the concessions have to work is that you make your order and then they place it on a table or a tray somewhere and then you go and get it
1: yeah you know it can okay. be done okay and you wear a mask maybe and you just uh you don't touch your face
0: yeah you just take the same precautions as you've taken
1: well okay Hebsy, if I may. I spent a uh, a couple of mornings ago. I was was it yesterday? No, Wednesday morning. I'm at the, the hospital because I needed an X ray. You know, right. I can tell you, I can tell you, you don't touch your face, you don't touch anything. <laughs> you're you you sanitize frequently, and uh, you're you wear your mask and you're careful. I felt safe. Like if I could feel safe in a hospital, right? You know, but yeah, we'll see. It's not going to happen. You're right. It's not going to be like a band aid where you rip it off and we're back to normal. It's going to have to be coming in like in phases.
0: Right. I do notice, though, that there's less bitching, less universal bitching about this. You notice there's nobody complaining about the terrible service on airplanes. There's nobody complaining about the lousy service at restaurants and how this waitress dissed you and the food was crummy. There's none of that stuff, which all takes place with social interactive. Too many lineups, people being rude to you, airlines not on time, traffic jams. Well, haven't heard any of that. I've heard nothing but good stories about people who are being paid by their employers yet really have no work to do and are volunteering their time. And are, you know, like Jamie Campbell drives up to Timmins with all types of uh, PPE for the hospitals up there. And he's at the fire halls and all the first responders. I mean, that's terrific stuff. This is something he would not, none of us would be able to do if we had our normal jobs, we wouldn't have the time for it. Now we have time. It's kind of cool.
1: Well, Jamie sure uh, so Jamie night, sure has time. That's because there's not a yeah, lot. Yeah,
0: but he's. But I mean, and also he and Buck Martinez are phoning Blue Jay fans. You oh, know, yeah, those that are uh, shut-ins normally, maybe, and uh, even lonelier now without baseball. And
1: Nova Scotians who are going through some trauma uh, of a different uh, nature yeah. right now.
0: Terrible. Um, yeah. So last night was the NFL draft. Now, normally everybody gathers in. Would have been Las Vegas this year hundreds, thousands of people, all the players that are eligible for the draft. Certainly the top picks are there with their suits on and their families are there. But of course, can't do it that way anymore. So uh, it was held um, remotely with Roger Goodell, the commissioner making the announcements and all of the Zoom screens and shots of every single candidate for first round selection, shots of uh, his family's home, Anyway, the Cincinnati Bengals were 2-14 last year. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990, so no surprise that they selected Joe Burrow out of LSU as the first pick in the NFL remote draft 2020. Uh, Cincinnati had long been expected to pick Burrow with the uh, first pick after his stellar season with the LSU Tigers. Mike, I don't know if you're aware of this, and I know numbers sometimes can get kind of you know, mixed up and thrown into a blender, but I think everyone would realize that this guy not only won the Heisman Trophy – but he threw 60 touchdowns and just six interceptions and his success rate completion rate, 76%. Wow. I don't care if that's Sandlot ball. I don't (laughs) care if it's junior high school ball. Those are unbelievable numbers. Wow. 60 touchdown passes and six interceptions. That's incredible. Burrow. He's from Ohio, by the way, and uh, he's going to be playing for the Cincinnati Bengals whenever they play football. And, um, Big things are expected, but the franchise is ho- Franchise has not won a playoff game since 1990.
1: That's, that's difficult to do. At least we can say we won a playoff uh, round in 2004, us Maple Leaf fans. Yes. That's true.
0: So <laughs> the thing that worried me the most about this was every time I saw a shot of a player um, who was going to be drafted, he's in the, they're in the living room, and for sure they're sitting with people that they don't live with. They're not physically distancing. These NFL draft picks, you can't mm. tell me that every one of them that you see is live has been living in the home with the parents and the cousins and whoever else is there. So when I see these big parties, I'm like, wait, there's 12 people. You're not telling me 12 people live in that house. Right. And there's little munchies and uh, crudités and cocktails and everything sitting on the table there. I'm going, this is not a physical distancing group. These are people that's like, yeah, come on over for the draft. And they've got a camera set up there, of course. And and uh, they keep switching to, and there's Joe Burrow's family, and they're all waiting. And plus, half of them are dressed to the nines. Like, come on, come, like, come over. Right. Forget the physical distancing. We're going to be on television, maybe, probably on national television, ESPN or whatever. So look good. So there's this one draftee, and I can't think of who it was, where his sisters or girlfriend or mom or whatever are all wearing short dresses and high heels and bling, and all that just looked so wrong. <laughs> They should be wearing sweats and T-shirts and look like grungy and everything like that. We've been sitting around for the last, you know, five weeks waiting (laughs) for this draft.
1: It's true. (laughs) I need to shave myself. Uh, Yeah. Things are getting rough over here. I know it's white. It's the same color as my skin. My beard is coming in very white. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The last um, couple shows we've done have been sad because we've been announcing the deaths of our favorite Blue Jays. Last week, Damaso Garcia, 63 years old. The week before that, or two weeks, three weeks before that, Tony Fernandez, 57 years of age. Now, yesterday I had mentioned to you when we were doing our, our setup here mm-hmm. about uh, another Blue Jay passing, and you had not heard of him. The name didn't register with you, and his name was Rich Hacker.
1: I forgot about him, He did not him, yeah. play for the
0: Jays. He was a coach for them. Played for the Expos have a ha- handful of games in 1971, but he was a key blue Jay who people kind of forgot about him. His career ended um, almost tragically. He was the coach of the blue Jays, third base coach in 1991. when they went to the playoffs lost to Minnesota in the, what uh, was it? The wild card or the, no, there the was no, it was series.
1: a, there was only an ALCS. Yeah.
0: ALDS. No CS. ALCS. ALCS. So he was the third base coach for the Jays then took over for John McLaren in 91. He was the third-base coach in 92 when they won the World Series, and he was the third-base coach in 93. And during the All-Star break, which was in Baltimore that year, and Sito Gaston was the defending World Series champion manager, so he brought his entire staff with him to Baltimore that year for the All-Star game. But Rich Hacker, the third-base coach, said, you know, I want to take a pass. I want to go visit my family just outside of St. Louis, Bellevue, Illinois, which is across the Martin Luther King Bridge from St. Louis." in Southern Illinois. And so instead of going to the All-Star Game, Rich Hacker went home and was involved in a horrible head-on crash on the Martin Luther King Bridge, where two guys were drag racing coming the other way and he was hit head-on. Man. Lucky to be alive, was in a coma for almost a week. And and while he was rehabbing, uh, Nick Leva took over as the third base coach for the Blue Jays and was for the rest of the way and then for the next couple of seasons too. Rich Hacker was rehabilitating he came back during the playoffs, threw out the first pitch in one of the games, uh, I think of the World Series or the Championship Series in 93, and sat on the bench and watched Nick Leva, you know, congratulate Joe Carter on the series winning home run. Wow. And never got his job back. I mean, he worked, he did some um, statistical work and stuff like that, but he was obviously shaken from that car accident. He died yesterday, 73 years of age, complications from cancer, super nice guy. Um, and again, you know, he was the third base coach, but he was an integral part of those teams that won back-to-back championships and actually made the playoffs three years in a row. Right. So I have to tell you this, he was good friends with Jerry Howarth. they are similar type of guys, very nice down to earth fellows would always ask about how you were doing, how the family was genuinely interested people. And so when I emailed Jerry to let him know, I didn't know if he was aware of it or not. He sent me back this that he had posted on social media. This is Jerry speaking. You often hear about someone who is a nice person. For me, Rich was one of the nicest people I ever met in my entire life. From the first day I met him, he never changed. And that included him having to go through his awful car accident in St. Louis that was not his fault. Rich had the unique ability to always move on to the next day with the most positive attitude no matter what. And I admired him greatly for that. And I'm sure he did that fighting his cancer too until today, which was yesterday. God bless you, Rich. You were the best. Well summed up.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And so another member of the Blue Jay family. And it's funny, too, because he wasn't there that long, but he was part of their greatest success. You know, and if you were to say, hey, name Cito Gaston's coaching staff or whatever, we might kind of go, oh, geez, I don't know. Gene Tennis was the hitting coach, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I <clears throat> don't remember the rest of them. Rich Hacker was the third base coach on that team. By the way, the Blue Jays have announced that they will pay their employees through May 31st.
1: So that's like marketing teams and uh, everybody?
0: Yeah. Okay. So now sports teams now, I mean, the villains now in sports are the teams that are not paying their employees uh, for as long as teams like the Blue Jays, for example. And the Buffalo Bills, there was a big story about the Buffalo Bills, the owners, the Pagula family, are just they're losing all kinds of money. They're cutting staff. Uh, you know, and it used to be four people for four different jobs. Now they've slashed three of those jobs, the the people, right? And the one person that's left has to do all four jobs. So a real terrible culture there, and um, they're being questioned as to their um, the loyalty to their employees and vice versa because they're not keeping up with other pro sports franchises who are paying. They're part-time employees. They're game staff employees. The people that are doing the television games, stuff like that. They're coming up to some arrangement with them, but the Sa- the Sabers and the Bills, and the other teams under the Pagula umbrella are not.
1: Now, Hebsey, you've heard this many times. You know, uh, Blue Jays are owned by Rogers, and you've heard like, "Oh, I wish a, like a crazy rich guy would just buy the team because a crazy rich guy would be less concerned with." spreadsheets and uh bean counting and might be uh willing to you know spend for the vanity of you know getting it getting the world series trophy like there's a sense that give me a george steinbrenner or somebody just just give me a rich old give me i don't know if they're old but usually they're old when they're rich but give me give me i don't know why i said that, but give me a crazy rich owner but it's a kind of a double-edged sword like this is an example where sometimes uh that's not ideal (laughs) like in a pandemic for example you it's it there's a bit of a i guess a safety net when you're owned by a a big conglomerate like rogers instead of just some guy some oil baron Uh, i don't know i
0: don't know there are certain owners that have tons of money and they like to be hands-on owners they like to know what's going on with their employees with their fans they walk through the stadium those owners are fewer and far between mark cuban was that kind of an owner sits right amongst the fans, you know, answers their emails, goes online live with chat shows and that. He, I mean, he's interested in his business. To me, it's like this, Mike, right. Suppose you go to a restaurant, the and um, you don't like the service and you don't like or something about it. Would you a never go back, but never make a comment to the owner or anything like that so that they would improve their service or their food. Or would you say something in the hopes that the owner would appreciate their manager would say, thank you for that feedback. We want that feedback. We want to improve our, our, our business.
1: Which would you do? I would do, I will tell you, I will do a, I, I uh, will just never go back.
0: What would so you the owner do? would never know. Right. You want to say, geez, you know, that, that Toronto Mike guy used to come with his family and I you know, that fellow I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, with the cute kids and, and the nice wife and other, and doesn't come back. I wonder why. That would drive me crazy. But what would you do? Tell us. Yeah, go ahead. I always make make sure that the manager, the ownership is aware of uh, my issue. Right. Sometimes they will respond and say, we're very sorry, and maybe offer a gift certificate or what can we do to get you to come back? Those are the types of businesses that I like the most because they, a lot of them do a thing called recovery plus one recovery plus one is a customer's upset. The customer responds by saying, I don't like what happened. I'm bringing this to your attention. The business owner says, we can't afford to lose this person or anyone that they influence. So we're going to give them a gift certificate, some type of a gift so that they are more willing to come back and forgive us. But also they're going to tell other people what type of service they got, when they complained, and this way will not only keep this customer, you, but your friends, the ones you said, boy, I kind of like the way this company does business. They're going to want to come to this restaurant or they're going to want to come to the business and, and spend money here. So that recovery plus one is a key thing, especially with pro sports franchises now. What are you guys going to do to get us to come back right. and to make it worth our while? interesting because it is baseball i mean it's not baseball's fault here it's the pandemic but remember baseball still went through strike years and uh scandal how did they get people to come back how do sports get people to come back after those well they have to offer them something and say look we're we apologize sincerely please come back and tell your friends And by the way here's a couple of free vouchers or, or something like that
1: just to bring it back to the uh you know, the Rogers taking care of their, you know, employees through May. Uh, one other advantage, I think, not having the, you know, the crazy rich person owning your team, but having like a Rogers. The one other advantage would be Rogers has to care about PR. Like the the whole public perception of the brand Rogers is very important to the company. So this kind of a <clears throat> gesture, yeah, they make all their money on, uh, you know, my internet service and my my cell phone, right? That PR plays a role other, you know, because we do have another option, at least one other option and maybe a couple if you're in cell phone land. But bottom line is uh, they should care about PR and therefore doing things like this is good PR for the company. So there's additional benefits in addition to making sure that marketing person is paid through May during a pandemic. There is a PR benefit, right? Like we're talking about them positively right now. Are we positively? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: You said so yourself. We do have other options, and in some cases, a couple. But the amount of work that you have to do to change over, say, I've had it with Rogers, I'm going to Bell or the other ones. Think about that. Um, Most people are going to go. I don't want to have to go through that hassle. I got to have. They got to come in and hardwire. I have to be here eight hours a day for when they show up. They change my number, the whole thing like that. So and Rogers knows this, and so does Bell. That once you're locked in, it's difficult. And they go, oh, by the way, we're sorry to lose you here. We want to offer you this free three months. Usually it's after the fact, It's as you're about to leave.
1: Or, say, okay, or right.
0: Okay, okay, we'll give you three free months.
1: Or in my case, like five minutes after you switch, they'll be like, right. oh, here's the deal of a lifetime. You're exactly. like, if you, you know, where was that 10 minutes ago when I could have saved all this trouble? Right. I agree. So but but it, they do theoretically, theoretically, they care about PR. Okay. (laughs) We need more options. Major League Baseball, Red Sox. Sorry, I was going to go on a telecom rant, but we don't have time for that. I'm like, we need more options. Continue, Hebsy man.
0: Um, Everything okay with Periscope, Facebook, we're good with stage 10, all the companies that are getting us on the air. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, this is Hebsy on sports or are we, or is this the Toronto Mike podcast?
1: It's all, I have an episode right afterwards. It is Hebsy on sports. (laughs) So, folks, uh, we don't have any sponsors on this
0: show yet. Uh, once golf season begins, I'm pretty sure our buddies at Crosswinds, and by the way, I was in touch with them this week, and I guess they're waiting like everyone else for uh, some type of a government announcement to roll out the new uh, distancing policies. Mm. And I think golf is going to be the first to accept these you know, new policies and say, yep, make sure you stay six feet away from each other, no touching the... Uh, the ball or the flagstip or anyone else's, you know, and um, should be okay. Um, Major League Baseball slapped the Red Sox on the wrist. Remember that for cheating in 2018. Disappointing. Disappointing. Houston Astros got nailed.
1: Yeah. But not the Red Sox. Tell us, uh, in my opinion, uh, it it is literally a slap on the wrist and uh, rather underwhelming. (laughs) To say the least. So the, the baseballs report found that Boston did, in fact, engage in
0: illegal conduct during the 2018 season, really, uh, by using their video room to decipher catcher signals in real time. Those signs were relayed if runners were on second base, and if the runner would, in turn, would signal the batter. Simple stuff. It's called cheating. So the report states that video room operator J.T. Watkins was the mastermind. Wasn't a player, wasn't a manager, wasn't an executive. It was the video room operator.
1: He's taking okay. the fall, eh? He's, the, he's like oh, in the mob yeah. when you have the guy who's going to hold the water.
0: That's right. <laughs> this guy was the brains of the operation. He's been suspended for 2020 and will not be allowed to work in that same role in 2021. This guy might end up being the manager of the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, the team was also penalized by losing their second round pick for the year. Wow. You're losing the 52nd overall pick in the draft. Ooh, that's punishment. Ooh, Mike, they must just be rolling in their. Why bother? Yeah, really, what a a punishment that is. Um, Then-manager Alex Cora has been suspended through the end of the 2020 postseason for his conduct with the Astros in 2017. Remember, he was the hitting coach on that team, not because of anything he did in Boston. The league held off penalizing Cora until their investigation into his Red Sox team had been completed. The report says that Cora did not know that Watkins was aiding the players. Now, I think the manager of every baseball team, coach of every football team, coach of every hockey team, they know everything that's going on. When I hear a coach say, oh, I didn't know about this. Joe Paterno, oh, I didn't know what was going on. You knew. Because coaches know everything. Every single one of those coaches, they're all the same. They got to know everything that's going on in the loop. They've got their lieutenants. They've got their spies. They know. So for Cora to say that he had no idea that this JT Watkins, the brains of the operation, was uh, getting runners signaled so that they could tell the batter what pitch was coming, and the manager didn't know this? Like the manager sitting they're going, geez,
1: how did Mookie Betts know that was going to be a fastball? He didn't know? Right. Come on, Mike. that's such... Well, it's all, I mean, I'm still mad that the Astros get to keep that World Series title. Like, to me, this was, yeah. it's the whole thing. is like you either opt out or you just continue to enjoy the sport regardless of their uh, spineless, uh, the spineless uh, actions of uh, the commissioner here.
0: Well, remember too, the uh, players, the Red Sox players in this case and the Astros players last year were given full immunity by Major League Baseball for telling their story. Full immunity, like you can go back, you, you don't lose any pay, you don't lose any status, you're still the World Series champions. I mean, that's a slap on the wrist. Just tell us what happened.
1: Uh, the whole thing, this, if, if the more we talk about that, and you remind me of that, the more, uh, the more disappointed. It's like, say it ain't so, Joe, say it ain't so. Does this change the way
0: you look at Major League Baseball? I mean, when it comes to how they police their own sport.
1: Of course. Yeah. No, to me, to me, this is not nearly, uh, harsh enough. The the Would the you penalties. try cheating? Well,
0: personally, there's a second round draft pick.
1: Uh, I hope not. Like, to be honest, I'm, I'm glad my team wasn't caught cheating in this fashion. Like the Houston Astros are the Houston asterisks as, uh, far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, Without any enforceable restrictions against large gatherings in place in the state of South Dakota, because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, Park Jefferson International Speedway, that's a dirt track in North Sioux City, South Dakota, is planning on holding the Open Wheel Nationals on Saturday with ticket sales capped at 700. The track seats 4,000. They're going to allow 700 people in to watch this race, which is sanctioned. By the IMCA, the International Motor Contest Association. So you've actually got some na- former NASCAR drivers that uh, are racing this open wheel dirt track. There's, you know, racing's very popular. I mean, NASCAR, of course, is the biggest, right? A Grand Prix, open wheel, IndyCar, but there's lots of dirt track stuff, lots of, you know, Cayuga Speedway and those things. And right. there's lots of those kind of tracks. And people feel, look, one driver sitting in a car, against a bunch of other drivers sitting by themselves in cars, fans distanced enough away from each other that they can enjoy.
1: I, what could hurt? Well, yeah, here is where I I see the biggest difference between uh, our country, Canada, and the country to the south of us, the United States, in that it does seem that there are pockets of the U.S. that are just going to go back to normal very quickly And it can kind of, you know, if you read about it in the news, you can kind of get a little bit like concerned and frustrated. But we have to realize uh, different countries, different cultures, and different uh, different mindsets on this entire thing. I would, I, I can tell you that won't be happening in this country anytime soon. But I'm not. Well, how soon will what happen in this country? Saskatchewan
0: already has ruled out a five ten point plan. They're going to be the first ones to try to go back to normal before anyone else. They're going to open golf courses. They're going to open parks. Yeah. That, They've got dates set up.
1: That's different though. To me. No, it's not. Uh, it's a different a, jurisdiction. Uh,
0: this is my point, Mike. Go is ahead. That you can't say all Canadians are going to be this way. All Americans are going to be this way because even though, and I believe there's still seven or eight States that haven't, uh, you know, imposed the, the, the stay at home rule. Right. And South Dakota is one of them. But here's the is mm-hmm. The governor, of South Dakota, Governor Christy Noem, said earlier this week, fans should not attend the races. Quote, I'm going to strongly recommend to the people of South Dakota, they not go, they stay home. We're asking that they be wise and smart to continue on the path and the plan that we've laid out for South Dakota for several more weeks. So here's the biggest problem, Mike. There are jurisdictions, South Dakota, Saskatchewan, Florida, where they're loosening some of the restrictions. Georgia. They feel that, uh, you know, a little bit here won't make much of a difference. Kind of like the folks that said, ah, we'll go on the beach in Jacksonville, Florida, and what's going to happen? Kind of like the, the, the cannery in, um, in Vancouver, where 25 or 30 people tested positive in, a, in a, a food processing plant. I'm sure they said, oh, well, we'll let them stand close to each other, or something happened there. And so this is the problem is that when the governor of the state says, please you know, don't go, we're urging you not to go yet. You are allowed for this to happen. That's when you've got a problem because people in other state, like if I'm from Nebraska, I'm going, Hey, guess what? We're going to South Dakota for the weekend. We got tickets for this open real wheel race. It's okay to go.
1: We're allowed to go. Sure. It's not illegal. Right. Right. It's a, it's a little bit scary. I mean, if you just look at the uh, 1918 Spanish flu as an example, and you hear about certain cities handled it different ways. And Gear Joyce just wrote about this, and it's a pretty good article. But I think, I can't remember the cities, but St. Louis handled it one way and another city a different, and there was a massive outbreak following some public gathering in one of those cities. I think Philadelphia. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that might be right. And they were talking about how, uh, because people, you know... it as the weather got warmer, they got kind of, they thought this thing was gone and then they start to start to do things normally and they had a second wave hit that was uh, far deadlier Worse. than the first wave. Yeah. yeah. I just think at this point, I'm speaking for myself as a father and just, uh, and, as, and as a Canadian, you know, uh, just that I'm okay with things staying shut down and that these, the, the public not attend the sporting events right. until we have a vaccine, to be honest. Like I've right. kind of come to, my mindset is such that, Let's be cautious. It's better to be over safe than it is to be under safe in this uh, example.
0: We're getting used to it, too. And it's not so bad. I'm sure it's worse for other people. But it's not like everyone is like, oh, I want to get back to the way it was. Was it so great before? (laughs) Right. Did you love being in traffic jams and battling with people and complaining and stuff like that? Did you enjoy hugging perfect strangers because that's the way we did things? some people have
1: i hear it you. wasn't so
0: great and this isn't so bad mike you can't tell me that spending all this time with your children and your wife is a bad thing
1: but we're lucky hebsey right like i mean i'm making still i would say approximately 60 percent of my old income i'm still bringing in right like and i'm not paying child care services so it's not as big a gap as that even so there are many, many, many people listening to us right now who are basically living on public assistance or whatever the uh, emergency relief benefit is, the CERB. Right. And if that is insufficient for you to kind of make ends meet, you may want things to get back to normal uh, faster than you and I do. But Of course. So those people, I am totally like uh, compassionate and I understand that there's a whole different factor at play economically. But you're right. Other than that, no, I mean... I'm not complaining anymore. Like I'm more upset at the broken wrist than I am at the pandemic, but you know, right. Cause I, you can't ride your bike. I can't ride my bike. <laughs>
0: That's tough. Can you not get the uh, cast cut down to the point where you can actually have a grip on the handlebars? Okay.
1: And- Firstly, there's two Firstly, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with this. Cause it's like, I got six weeks of this and then I can get back to normal. It's sort of like the pandemic. Let me put up with my restrictions. It's not sort of like the pandemic. Yeah. Because I could rush back to- on this and then risk long-term danger risk infecting everybody. So they would all get broken wrists too. <laughs> when I say it's like the pandemic for me only, not for anyone else, but uh, in two weeks, the in two Wednesdays from now, which is less than two weeks, I get a different, it's called a, a wrist brace, which gives me more mobility. So we're less than two weeks away from me, maybe getting uh, a ride in. We'll see how it feels.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> Toronto Mike on sports, but it's all about my wrist. That's our next episode.
0: I see Freddie Anderson of the Leafs is like uh, they've thrown a million scenarios at him. They're doing interviews and and they're really good in-depth interviews, which you would never get during the season because he's got another game to play tomorrow. And there was a practice today. Now they got all kinds of time on their hands. He's living with Austin Matthews. He's building with Austin Matthews instead of going home to Denmark. And they're asking him about stuff like, would you be in for? And he's like, I'll be in for anything. Drop the puck now. I don't care what kind of tournament it is. Three on three. Makes no difference play 70 games in a weekend, <laughs> anything, any kind of tournament. He's up for anything. And this is where we've reached the point now with the athletes more than the fans, right? The fans have found other things to do. And you know, they sure they want to sit down and watch the game that night, but they've got stuff during the rest of the day. The athletes are chomping at the bit, hockey players, basketball players, baseball players. Right. And I don't even know how much practicing they can do. You know, in their own little confined space. So Freddie Anderson, like there's only so much NHL 20 you can play. There's only so much (laughs) you can do. And especially since for your whole life, between September and May, you've been playing hockey since you were two years old. Right. And now it's like, what do I do?
1: And there's no off-season anymore. It's not like back in the day when Guy Lafleur would take the uh, summer off or whatever. Right. Like, it's, yeah, this is, uh, and you're right, every athlete, I mean, some athletes probably do have a pretty good, like, whatever that surface is that is like ice, where they can kind of, I don't I'm sure that some athletes have pretty good,
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) What about the ones that live near frozen ponds and stuff like that? They showed Mitch Marner the other day on rollerblades with his dog, stick handling against his
1: dog. Hey, did you, is there, and I don't want to become TM's tmz here but did you hear uh i don't know it's not our style but maybe it is is morgan riley uh billeting as you said with tessa virtue is that what i heard
0: that's what i heard
1: that's that should be the forget the you know that should be front page news in this country (laughs) okay shout out to my four-year-old who is in love with morgan riley because they have the same name
0: that's very cool i think that There's no way that Tessa Virtue and Morgan Riley could develop a relationship if he was playing hockey like he normally would at this time of year. It would be a phone call. It would be a FaceTime. It would be a get-together when they happen to be in the same city together. But generally speaking, that's tough. Those are difficult relationships.
1: That Morgan Riley's got nothing but time. Well, yeah, but that could be bad for a relationship, hepsi No. Well, it's not good for a new relationship to be all the together all the time, don't you think? Why not? Okay, because then it's like it burns. It's like Romeo and Juliet. It burns out very quickly. Oh, I see. <laughs> you don't think it's
0: possible for two people to spend that much quality time together? Yes, but it really will burn out. Like and love
1: each other. Well. I'm sure it happens, but often it's like a comet. You're like, jaded. <laughs> it burns very bright for a short period of time. Real quick on Morgan Riley. Uh, there's a famous quote uh, from Brian Burke saying that if the Leafs had the number one pick that year, they would have picked Morgan Riley. And I think a lot of people sc- scoffed at that, like that notion, because he was fifth. I think Morgan Riley was five. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but if you look at the draft now and you look at it, like he probably is the best player picked in that draft. Like if you the top four, I can't remember the names anymore, but the top four are all underwhelming and uh, Morgan Riley would have been a fine number one pick that year.
0: Some players take longer to develop than others. It depends on the circumstances. As I recall, when Morgan Riley came up with the leaves, he was like right off the bat, you're a starting defenseman, dude. You're not playing in the American hockey league. You're not going back to junior. You're on our team.
1: Like Luke Shen. I
0: think that some guys just develop quicker than other guys. And the worst stories are the ones where you trade a guy too soon and as soon as you trade him, he develops into a great player. I remember when the Maple Leafs traded Gary Unger. And he turned out to be a phenomenal player. But right. it took him until he was 25 or 26 years old. And um, there's lots of stories like that. Lots of stories where a guy gets traded. He was a high draft pick. Ally Afraidy, for example, was a fine player for the Leafs. Uh, once they traded him, he became a better player.
1: Right. Well, there might have been locker room problems in that situation, but might have been. <laughs> Gary Unger, quick question: uh, Did he then he went on to uh, draw Herman the comic, right? Didn't he draw Herman? Who no. who's the artist behind Herman? I'll Google uh, it while know. you continue. I'll Google Unger. It,
0: it was Unger or something. Okay.
1: okay, okay. Uh, but Gary
0: Unger was an Iron Man player in the NHL. He played you know, like 900 and some odd consecutive games. I always thought was a very underrated player. Maybe not deserving of the Hall of Fame, but but pretty close. You go look at Gary Unger with the St. Louis Blues. Okay, And uh, he was a phenomenal player. And, and, and I think very underrated.
1: Herman was by Jim Unger. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Gary's brother.
0: Look, the Leafs had a lot of really good players in the late 60s and early 70s that they lost because of Harold Ballard for the most part. Some really, really good players. When the WHA came along, he was like, ah, these clowns On not... go ahead, let them go. He let half of his team go. Right. I mean, his entire defense corps ended up going to the WHA. Another Ricky argument. Lee, Brad Selwood. Um, <laughs> and- uh, trying to think who else was on that team. Oh, I know. Um Selwood, Lee, O'Brien oh, Glenny was on that team. Jim McKinney was on mm. that team. Who else went to the WHA? Somebody else. By
1: the way, that's another argument against that uh, crazy rich guy owning your team, right? Yeah. Well, we'll why why would Rogers over that team
0: (laughs) in the first place? An individual, what for? Because you love the sport, you want to root for your team. Vanity. Vanity. I think if you asked any sports fan, you know, would you like to be a team owner? Yeah. If I had the money, that would be the best. Sit in the owners' box. Okay. Wear the team colors. That's my team.
1: Right. Like uh, like what well, the, the the guy they booted out there, Sterling, right? Who uh, is it, Balmer? Who Donald, won- Donald Sterling, right? Like that's your. It's usually vanity. It's just so you can you can tell people you own this team, and you can, yeah, it's it's all about the ego.
0: And it also gives the fans somebody to look at as the villain. Rarely do fans go, "Oh, we love this owner. We'll do anything for this owner." I mean, it's great when you're winning, but people don't go, even when Steinbrenner bought world series championships for the Yankees, Mm -hmm. you know, people still disliked him because he got rid of the way he treated Billy Martin or he kept trading guys or, you know, all that stuff.
1: Basically just win maybe.
0: But once a team loses, you know, you look at ownership and it's real easy to pick on. I mean, there are hundreds of villains out there that owned professional sports teams still do or did that were essentially run out of town or fans didn't want to put up with their nonsense anymore, their product. And they ended up selling to some corporation that pumped money into the team. Like how many would trot out an executive, a CEO once a year to say, thank you very much for, you know, enjoying this team and spending all your money with us. And the company's now, you know, we're up 7.2% in profits. And we appreciate that thing.
1: But how many sense fans are listening to us right now, wishing that uh, their owner would, sell their team.
0: Yeah, I can tell you this. People in Hamilton are still upset about that because they felt that they should have gotten that team, not Ottawa. And if you look years later now, they're probably right. And that team has just failed miserably. Several ownership groups. They built an arena with 3,000 more seats than they should have had. They and, built that arena. They've put, I believe, nineteen thousand five hundred seats. I think it was called the Palladium at first, or the Corral Center.
1: Corel Center for sure. But they also, going, to, yeah, go ahead, Hemsey.
0: Nineteen thousand five hundred seats, and I remember going to games there where they put seventeen thousand in the place, and the entire upper deck was
1: empty. It looked and, awful. And you know, you know Ottawa as well as well as I do that. That's really a city where that arena should be downtown. Like that city, yep. like the, the, they built it. You got to drive there and park. Ottawa is a very walkable, hell, you can skate that city, right? Like it's a walkable, bikeable, skatable city. And they built it way out on a a highway. It's a terrible place for an arena. But they weren't the first to do that.
0: A lot of sports organizations found land that was cheap, labor that was cheap, help from government and getting some tax breaks, you know, build, they had to build an interchange off the highway for that arena in Ottawa. That's how far west of the city it is. Friends of mine that were seasoned ticket holders could not give away their seats during uh, weekday games. Let's say it's a Tuesday night game and you live near downtown or even you're even on the Quebec side. The amount of time it would take you to get in your car, drive through rush hour traffic through the city of of Ottawa, all the way out to the West End Canada to this arena. Right. Fight that traffic get there, like you say, park your car, go. There's no restaurants really around there, no bars, no cool place to hang out. And then now once the game is over, you're going know, to drive all the way back on a cold Tuesday night and people didn't want to do it. Whereas if it was downtown, easy, public transit, not a problem. You could walk there like you say, and there's bars, restaurants that would all benefit from the area, but they didn't do that.
1: I always felt that the they got it. They got it right here. Like, I really think that where the Air Canada Centre is in this... Oh, sorry, Scotiabank Arena <laughs> yeah. is in this city. I believe that's a fantastic location. And I think BMO's in a great place, and I think the Dome's in a great place. Like, I think that public transit uh, yep. downtown Toronto, really, really smart. So I'm glad we but don't have the, the Leafs playing in Markham or something. Like, it'd be like Richmond Hill is where the Leafs play. Like, that's what it would be like.
0: Right. But Maple Leaf Gardens was... To me, a fantastic location. People were concerned about the area around it. There was lots of places. You didn't have to be right across the street. There are plenty of restaurants and bars right off the subway line. Come on.
1: Agreed. There's a golden griddle there. Come on. What more do you want? Smokies.
0: (laughs) It was a great spot. Um, Hang on a second. I got to get to my...
1: Hey, no problem. I can't wait to watch this back and see if we finally figured out how to get good visuals of Hebsey and good audio. And I believe this is the first time we got it right now. Cross your fingers.
0: How do I lose other news <laughs> there? Mm-hmm. Sorry about this, folks. Are you I'm still doing, a, while
1: you're doing that, are you still doing your walks? Like you're doing long walks?
0: Yeah, long walks and, and bike rides too. Although it's been incredibly cold. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm glad, I'm almost glad that golf season hasn't started yet because it's just too cold anyway.
1: Yeah. No and, one would be playing. You're, I mean, you're college in Clinton. Like, do you get the midges that far north or no? Probably not. The what? (laughs) I'm going to guess no. Okay. So if you're closer to the lake, it's been a very bad midge season. So I'm speaking to the lake, people near the lake. Uh, midges are the swarm of harmless flies that uh, some people call them gnats, but I call them midges. But they come every year at this time. So if you live near the lake, you're used to this. But this has been a really bad midge season. So if you go for a walk, you're going to eat a pound of midge flesh and up your nose. And I mean, it's another reason to wear a mask beyond COVID. I haven't had that problem here in Midtown. No, I think once you get like north of Queen Street, it's gone. All right. um,
0: Would you watch a TV golf match featuring Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady?
1: First, before anybody mic'd up first, did you watch that uh, made for TV event, Tiger and Phil, that happened pretty recently? Yeah. Okay. so I'm going to guess you'd watch this because if you'd watch that, you'd watch this. So I don't personally have an interest in either, but I'm not a big golf guy. So tell us why why this uh, event is interesting to you
0: four personalities, the biggest in the world, Tom Brady and Tiger Woods alone. And, you know, Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning, pretty good second bananas. So you got star power right off the bat. You got golf, you got gambling, you got trash talking. Um, that's enough for me. I mean, I don't need to see great golf shots. I'm okay with that. But I, I want Tiger to look at, at to Phil and say, all right, uh, Double or nothing on this shot or this potter. we're going to trash talk there. I want to hear
1: Tom Brady trash talk with Tiger. <laughs> oh, you're the greatest. Well, oh, you're the goat. I'm the goat. Can we get Michael Jordan in the mix? He's too old. Okay, he is because he looks good. I mean, I'm. I, are you watching? Are you watching? What? Are, uh, The Last Dance.
0: Well, I watched the first two episodes. Well, that's what I mean. I'll watch oh, again this okay.
1: Sunday. It's well, that's what I mean. I, we I haven't Jordan. talked about it. Are you? Have you watched the first two episodes? Yeah. Okay, I'm just uh Did kid. you? Yeah. Uh I'm in did love. Did you learn anything? No, it's not it's not so much learning new things. It's more well, you know what I did learn? I don't what think it? I appreciated I don't think I appreciated at the time how uh bad Pippin's contract was. Like yeah, but he signed it.
0: No, he, I know even I'm not. Though they all said don't sign for 7 years. He was like, oh, "I got to look after my family." They they said don't sign.
1: No, but you asked he if signed. I learned anything. So I would say mm-hmm. that that was something if I knew it I'd forgotten and I knew it just like right. I forgot Red New Rich Hacker. So, uh there there are things it's reminding me of and also I don't I don't reman- I I didn't know they had such um uh, footage of that season like even closed door discussions are filmed no one knew. It's amazing. Yeah, no one knew. The fellow
0: that is responsible for that excuse <clears> me, <throat> project is uh, Clay Thompson's brother, Michael Thompson's son. He worked for NBA Entertainment, and he managed to get access during the 97-98 season for the whole season. So in the first two episodes, they only teased it. They only showed a few things from behind the scenes. Michael screaming and yelling at a couple of his teammates. So I guarantee you, they're going to stretch this out over the next, I think, five, six weeks, Sundays. You'll see that Footage that behind the scenes f bombs being dropped.
1: We have to wait that One extra best... day in Canada. We have to wait the extra day to see. No, no, NASA. you only have
0: to wait an hour.
1: Is that right? I yeah, thought it had to air it's on over ESPN. At, Go ahead. It's
0: over at 11 p.m. on Sunday night on ESPN. It's available on Netflix the next day, which is an hour later, right? Okay, as, soon as the thought... clock turns midnight, I'm pretty sure
1: <laughs> that. Okay.
0: They make that available on yeah. Netflix, and if not, it's the next morning or whatever. I think I watched it the next morning.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you had to wait twenty-four hours, but th- regardless, uh, back to the Gulf. Uh, mm-hmm. When is this event?
0: Oh, I, they don't know oh. because they have to. They have to ensure that uh, health officials, public health, government agencies, everybody's on board. That uh, all the precautions are taken, and you know they have to make sure that these guys don't touch their partner's balls other stuff (laughs) (laughs) because like you know it's like at the beginning of a wrestling match or boxing match where the referee says to the two come to the middle of the ring and then he explains no punching below the belt no rabbit punching no sharp objects no foreign objects no none of that stuff right right make it a nice clean fight they have to do the same thing here (laughs) they have to have an explanation
1: but it's and also now that you mentioned Tom Brady, I'm amazed that we've basically been recording about an hour and uh, you haven't brought up the, what I would think would be the big sports story of the week. Uh, the What's Gronk. That? What's that? Gronkowski. Oh, you didn't think that was going to happen. You,
0: you're I surprised. Never, by I that? never the really Bronx suddenly retires. <laughs> right. Because but... Brady said to him, listen, I'm not going to be back. I've already told them. So, but he Don't missed like, last well, Brady's season. He's like... not going to be back. Yeah. I'm going to retire
1: and then wait to see what Brady does. And then, but there was a one-year gap, right? What do you mean? Like Gronkowski didn't play last season; he retired right. the previous year. So this couldn't have been that orchestrated, like because he had he could have played last season for the Patriots, right? We're, so he was
0: he, he was healing from his injuries, of which they were pretty severe. I mean, if he would have kept going at that same pace, and he knows it, he would his body would have completely broken down. It's amazing what one year of not non-contact. Phys- heavy physical contact stuff that can rattle your cage and cause, you know, the onset of CTE it took the year off.
1: Okay. Now so you're fine. not surprised by this.
0: No, nah, not. Okay. At all. This is all orchestra. <laughs> Come on. You know, it's like, it's like Gretzky with McSorley. Look, if I'm going, you're coming with me. Okay.
1: Yeah. The but but McSorley is didn't, is didn't retire, didn't take the year off. Yeah. But that's a big difference. The right? okay.
0: But the other thing is Mike, when someone says I'm retiring, the first thing in my mind is really you are, huh? Like, in other words, once you say retire, you're for sure not coming back or you're taking a break. But the word retirement though suggests the word retirement means you are done. Right. Like Mario Lemieux. Yeah, I'm retiring. Okay. I'm coming back. But the thing is when you retire, they have a big retirement party for you. There's all these tears. They didn't have that with Gronkowski. They didn't have the big retirement party. They didn't have the, the whole, you know, uh, film footage of his fabulous career and he's leaving the game at the end of 29. I think there was people going, mm, mm, I think he's going to wait, take a year off, you know, check out the landscape.
1: He didn't get the Ann Romer treatment. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: word retire should mean this. Once you've used the word and say you're retiring, you cannot change your mind. If you're thinking that you might change your mind and come back, So you're taking a hiatus, taking a break. I might come back. I might not come back. But when someone retires and they announce it at a retirement press conference and some reporter goes, does this really mean you're retiring? Are you sure you're retiring? Might you come back? And then the guy goes, well, I never say never, but I'm retiring for now.
1: Like Barry Sanders. So Barry Sanders, he really retired, but we didn't believe him. Right. We no one believed him. I didn't believe him. Like, I thought Barry Sanders, I thought he'd... So, because he was in his prime, I thought he'd come back. Also, uh, we already mentioned him because we talked about the last dance, but the best, I mean, other than Mario Lemieux, the best example I can think of is uh, Michael Jordan, right? Like, Michael Jordan had a press conference, said, I'm retiring. You know, I think twice he retired, right? He did. Well, once he retired to go play baseball.
0: And then he retired again from the Bulls, second time. After after the sixth one. Jackson left. Right. And then came back uh, and played with uh, the... Bullets. Washington Wizards. Bullets. Ooh, Wizards. (laughs) Which was just when you looked at Michael Jordan wearing a Washington Wizards (laughs) uniform and he's well past his prime, you're going, hey. Right. It was almost embarrassing. It was almost like watching Willie Mays try to play center field at the age of forty two for the Mets, dropping fly balls. That's not how you want to remember him. Right. Right. Okay, this question was posed on Twitter. If you could change one rule in any sport, what would it be? I got mine immediately. I thought, this is great.
1: I saw yours, but for those who didn't see it on Twitter, what was yours? Mine was one serve only in tennis. I like it.
0: Yeah. None of this do-over stuff. None of that stuff.
1: Because right Get now, serve. right now you go, you know, like me, lotion. These guys they're going all in on that first serve, and then they they take something off the second serve to increase the percentage of it being in or whatever. You would Correct. basically make they'd if it was a key point they'd have to make that decision before: do I go all in for the ace or do I take something off just because I can't afford to uh, lose this point?
0: Right, and and here's one of the reasons why I really like this rule is I don't want to see a guy ace ace. Ace, ace. That to me is boring. I want to see 10. I went back and forth. I want to see some. And if you make sure that there's only one serve, then as you say, Mike, the server has to determine, okay, am I looking for placement here? Speed here? Because if I miss it, I lose the point. I just think it would be much, much better sport. And I don't know who came up with the idea of, uh ah, do it over again. Right. Like what other sport has that?
1: Right. You don't, don't get do that, do that in volleyball. Again. You don't get that I missed the penalty shot. Try it again. Right. Right. I like your idea. You I said yeah, in volleyball you don't get the you you got the one no. shot, right? It goes into the net, that's
0: it. Ping pong or table
1: tennis, same thing. Right, badminton. <clears> okay, badminton, I like it. Those. I like it Second a lot. Server. And also, but I will well, only only mild argument is that you say aces are boring. I still I like aces. Like I find them exciting. Okay. No, no. no. Okay. I didn't say they're boring. I'm saying if the guy
0: is if the guy is obviously a better server and and every one of his service games is ace, 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 ace. Like, Milos was like that. Right. I mean, he would, you know, he, he all four points, would he would ace the guy. And then on return of serve, he couldn't return the serve. And he, it was strictly up to his service game. I'd like to see tennis players be a little more well-rounded in their games. One serve. That's
1: that's a, a really interesting <laughs> idea. And I, I, What would yours be? Can I tell you next Friday? I need to think about it. <laughs>
0: Why do you need to think about it? What's one rule that you can't stand in sports that right, you'd well, like to have changed?
1: I don't like it. I don't like the... I think it's got to be that delay of game penalty where the puck goes over the boards uh, without touching the boards or whatever. I feel like that should be, there should be intent, like a judgment call on whether it was an accident or not, or intended to delay the game. How can you determine intent? I know. But that is, I'm just thinking off the top of my head real quickly. I didn't expect this question. That, that is something I really that drives me nuts in a game when a player flips it and it goes over the net, but it wasn't intentional and there's a delay of game penalty. I, I have to I, think longer. Again, to how do you answer? know it wasn't intentional?
0: Come on. The guy's trying to get it out of his own zone and it goes into the crowd. That's intentional.
1: <clears throat> I is right? uh, right. this
0: way. The, the, the stands are this way.
1: Why not let the goaltenders play the puck wherever they want? Like, uh, like, I, know, I don't like that. Either. It's a goalie's call. And if a goalie wants, like, let the goalie play it anywhere. How's that?
0: Is that your answer? That's your final answer. As to what, Are you Regis you like now,
1: <laughs> Regis Philbin? That was that's a, there's that was a phenomenon. You remember the heyday of that show when everybody was like watching it in prime time? Will he get a million bucks? That's a funny little fad thing. Where in I mean, it's like of the moment. All of a sudden, this is the big thing, and now it's means nothing. But who wants to be a millionaire? You mean right when? Yeah, Regis hosting that show in prime time. Any of those shows, <laughs> Jeopardy, College
0: Bowl, which was a great show that was on years and years ago where they had students from colleges, two teams and Alan Ludden was the MC and he'd ask these questions and you'd be sitting at home going, I'm smarter than these kids or, or the opposite. Like who, who knows about Victorian era art. Right. So (laughs) I just think that normally as, as human beings, we want to measure ourselves up against the best. We want to see, Oh, I knew the answer to that one or yell at the TV. Excuse me. Oh, what an idiot. How could you not know the answer to that right. they have a there's a Jeopardy one they put it somebody put it on social media, where the um, category is sports. And these three nerds could not answer any of the questions. I mean, the obvious questions, you know, the name of the Boston baseball team is <laughs> right, like nothing blank stuff. Right. And, uh, and then he comes to the final question in the category of which they didn't even bother a guess. And he's like, if you get this, I will like, I'll drop dead. Something. As a matter of fact, it was pretty
1: funny. It is funny. And you
0: just know that people are yelling at the TV, going, "How can you know Plato's philosophy <laughs> and not know the name of the baseball team from Boston?"
1: Right, nerds. <laughs> okay, I think we've wrapped it,
0: Mike. I think that's it. Hit the uh, closing theme. That's it for episode 182 of Hebsy on Sports. And thanks to Toronto Mike, as always, for production and inspiration. If you're looking for something to read and a great Father's Day gift. Hit me up on social media. I'm Man And buy the book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard of. Wait. I just happen to have one right here. Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard of. Autographed I- copy by me. I've so enjoyed the tweets, door. a lot Get of tweets,
1: a lot of tweets flying around from people who just received their book in the mail and are loving it. So I really do encourage everyone who likes your work and admires your work should buy these copies that were intended to be uh, sold at live events that were cancelled.
0: Thank you, Mike. And uh, we're still working on a film, a documentary, docudrama, not sure what, a lot of interest because it is a good story and it needs to be told.
1: You and Mitch's area. You and Mitch's area should tag team that one. You know what? I
0: don't know. I mean, Mitch is a fantastic producer, executive producer, but we're friends. I'm not sure I would want to okay. ruin the friendship over a possible project. Like, that. I don't know. Good point. <laughs> uh, the man's name, by the way, is George Washington Orton, the greatest athlete you've never heard of. Hey, thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode of Hebsion on Sports next week. Until then, so long for now.